Hi everyone, it's Casper here. We've got some fabulous live shows coming up that we hope you'll be able to join us for. We're in Cambridge, Massachusetts on October 2nd, Washington DC on November 7th, Chicago, Illinois, where my uncle was born, on November 21st, and St. Louis on December 19th. We hope to see you there. I'm going to start our recording. Great. And it's... Yeah, it's what, over 7.30. 7.28. Okay. Should we start? Yeah. Okay. I'm Ariana Nettleman. And I'm Jeff Entman. And this is not a typical episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Mmm. So, hi, this is Ariana, the usually invisible third of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And we had an unfortunate incident with this week's episode. I started editing it and realized that I only had half of the recording, which was not ideal in terms of what you need for an episode. But you're going to redo that interview, yeah? We're going to redo the episode and release it next week. So we just have a little interim behind-the-scenes episode this week for you. I'm going to answer a few questions that you generously sent me over Twitter and Facebook, along with Jeff Entman, who is my boyfriend, and our recording pro over here. Oh, wow. Do I get a little intro here? Yeah. Do you want to tell everyone about your show? I'm a podcaster. I create a podcast for KCRW that's called Here Be Monsters. It's a show about things we're afraid of, things we, we don't understand, things that invoke curiosity, but sometimes fear as well. been doing it for about six years. It lives at hbmpodcast.com. But this this is not a show about me. This is a show about Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And normally, during the episodes, you do a ton of work on them, but your voice is almost never on the shows. And I think a lot of people, the only association they might have with you is if they show up at a live show and see you there because you're on stage at the live shows, but you're actually such a big part. You're half of forming this show. I'm one third of forming the show. You're one third of forming this show. We never really hear from you, though. So, like, what do you actually do on the show? Mostly, we go into the studio, Vanessa, Casper, and I, and I sit in the studio with them, and I, like, kind of backseat drive them a little bit. I coach them. So we sit down, and we tell the opening story, and then I tell them that they have to do it again and change certain things, and then we go through the whole show, and I glare at them when they're getting too off track, And I prompt them a little bit if they need to restate something. And we, yeah, we spend time in the studio forming the show into what the eventual content is going to be. We spend maybe an hour and a half, two hours for each episode in the studio. And then I take all of that audio that we've recorded and I go home and I edit that down to the 35-minute episode that everyone hears. Um, So that is a lot of time with Vanessa and Casper in my headphones. You're kind of like that teacher you had in high school or college that like is like a total hard ass, but it, it, for the exact right reasons. Yeah, I would say I'm definitely the straight man of the trio. I don't think that they're funny. <laughs> why, why are you so attached to the term straight man? You often say you're the straight man of our relationship as well. I think because I'm like a little bit no nonsense. A lot of people make jokes around me. And I just, like, wait for the jokes to be over and, <laughs> until we can move on to serious conversation. 
So I think we should move on to these questions because before we started recording, you put out on Twitter and Facebook, you said the episode got corrupted and and we're going to be doing this kind of Q&A type episode. And so we got a list of questions here from Facebook and Twitter, and I'm just going to ask them to Ariana and, and we'll do kind of this Q&A episode here. Maybe throw an ad in there every now and then. Sounds good. Yeah, maybe have roommate Jackie show up. She is here. We might drag her in. Yeah. Okay. So first question comes from Rebecca Dehovitz from Facebook. And she asks, how did you get involved in all of this? So I was very lucky when I got to Harvard Divinity School. I told people I was really interested in religion and media. And every person who I told that to, I got the response, oh, have you met Casper Turkile? And we had coffee. And at the coffee, I told Casper a little bit about my background, which was before Divinity School, I was working in kind of YouTube production with surprising connections to what we're doing. I worked in like the literary YouTube world. So we were engaging with classic literature a lot. And I was telling Casper about that. And Casper said, wow, you have this rich background in media and I'm looking to start a podcast with my partner, Vanessa, that's related to this class we're doing, Harry Potter is a Sacred Text. Would you want to produce a podcast with us? And I said, maybe, let me meet your partner, Vanessa. Let me come to one of your classes. And eventually we did all that, and Vanessa and I ended up quite liking one another. And we fell into this professional relationship, which has turned now over time to more of a familial one. She's a little sister stuff, I think, maybe. Vanessa? Little sister? Vanessa's definitely my wife, my work wife. Your work wife? What am I? You're my lesser partner. I'm not like your work side piece? (laughs) No, she's the important person in my life. Second comes her dog, Rory. And then like much further down is you. Okay, so we have another question here from Facebook. Claire Lauderwasser asks... What's your favorite thing about your hosts? I like a lot of things about my hosts. If I had to pick one thing for each of them, I think, and maybe he won't believe this, but I think I like how ridiculous Casper's imagination is. He has these connections in his head that my brain would never go to. He he will look at a sentence and think like, Oh, wow. Like, look at the letter E. Have you ever noticed how round the letter E is? Roundness. Oh, that reminds me of how love is all around us. And like, oh, my gosh. And he'll get so excited about these, like, things that seem so abstract to me, but I find incredibly endearing. And I will say I sometimes cut some of those points because they're so abstract. But He's just so sweet and enthusiastic. You'll hear it on the podcast. He like gasps a lot of the time when he or Vanessa have a good thought. He's just like really in it. Oh, and he says the word brainwave. Oh, I've had a brainwave. What's a brainwave? It means like something has just come into his brain that he thinks is brilliant. (laughs) What about Vanessa? Hmm. On the podcast, I would say my favorite thing about Vanessa is how brave she is. I think she's really willing to talk about hard things. She talks about her mental health. She talks about the struggles in her family. And she takes a lot of risks with her ideas. You know, she's willing to start a thought and not know where it's going. And I think that's really brave. And I really admire that. 
Another question here from Hannah Rodriguez on Facebook. She asks, what are your favorite memories from creating the podcast so far? I really love our live shows. I love meeting our listeners. We were recently in Chicago and we met the local Chicago reading group of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And they were so lovely. I don't know if I told you this, but two of the people in the group became roommates after meeting each other in the group. And that is just like such goals that people become friends through our podcast and roommates through our podcast and eventually get married because of our podcast. That's all we ever want. You know what makes me unhappy? What? I've still never been to a live show. Well, you will in Cambridge. You're going to be our special guest at the Cambridge live show. Oh yeah, December 9th. You're going to come do music for us. I'm going to do the music. And you actually have done the music for all of our recent live shows because you recorded the music and I pressed play on it during the live shows. What's your DJ name again? I don't think I have one. Hagrid and the Buck Beats? Mm. The last thing I'll say about my favorite part is, much like live shows where I get to meet our listeners, one of the things I do is listen to all the voicemails that get sent in to us, and that is one of my very favorite parts of my job. It's a lot. People send us really personal stories. A lot of them are full of grief and heartache, but... I also just love spending time with these people and sometimes I can hear them. They're like in their car or they're with their baby or they're just like, sometimes they tell me they're like, I'm at the airport, but I had this thought while listening to this episode and it feels so intimate and lovely and definitely the best part of my normal week. Anna Mays from Facebook asks, is there a method for picking which voicemail will be cast? I would say I pick the ones that are within our time limit, which is two minutes. Um, The ones that I think either give Vanessa and Casper something to talk about that like brings up an idea that can be unpacked more or that they can apply to the text or where they can reflect in their lives or something that I think is a perspective or voice that we are unable to represent or haven't heard on the podcast before. We heard, I remember, from a woman who was pregnant and wasn't feeling that excited about it. And we got a flood of emails from other women who are pregnant um, who are feeling the same thing. And like, neither Vanessa nor Casper are pregnant. They don't have access to that feeling. But by playing her voicemail, we got to exist with her and how she was seeing Harry Potter and her experience. And that was like a great gift to our other listeners who also felt that way. So, so earlier you said that, you know, you guys go into the studio and you record for some exorbitant amount of time, like two hours. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stuff that winds up on the cutting room floor, right? That's right. Are there consistent things that are, you're always cutting out? Yes, there are. So they're just like inside jokes that I cut out all the time. Like every time Vanessa and Casper say, I'm Vanessa Zoltan and I'm Casper Turkile. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Every time we we record, they follow it up with some kind of, like, the sweat lodge, they've said several times, the germ factory, the museum collection. The forgery. The Vanessa gets mocked edition. Oh, that's every episode. <laughs> I think it started because after we had done our first live show, we had said, this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, the live show. And they got into the rhythm of it such that now whenever we're in the studio, it's something else entirely. The other thing is that they sing a lot. 
And they sing the same things over and over again. Like every time we're in the studio, Casper sings what the world needs now is love, sweet love. He claims it's because there's like a specific hum in the room that inspires him to sing that song. They also sing Les Mis a lot. Um, And the other thing that we joke a lot about in the studio, it's a reoccurring joke, is, is our non-existent Tumblr. I mean, it's out there, it exists, but we haven't posted anything on it since like the first or second week of us starting our podcast. And up until I would say this season, we said, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. So we joke a lot about our Tumblr. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Quip. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text listeners, I don't want to scare you, but three members of the Not Sorry Productions team have recently lost a tooth. Now, none of this was because of bad brushing. It was because of accidents that happened. But I am concerned about people who love Harry Potter and their teeth. Quip's electric toothbrush can help you in your routine of keeping your teeth healthy and sparkling clean. The mirror mount for your Quip toothbrush puts brushing front and center in your bathroom, so you'll remember to bookend the day using your new brush. The built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you clean your whole mouth makes sure that you brush for the entire two minutes. The multi-use cover is amazing, it works as a stand, and also helps with sanitary reasons. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule of every three months for just $5. A friendly reminder as to when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. Please, this is a public service announcement from somebody who has all of her teeth and who loves a lot of people who have recently lost one tooth. Brush your teeth. Quip makes it easy and fun to brush your teeth, and that is why I love Quip and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine after the summer. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Harry Potter right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Harry Potter. My brother and sister-in-law have a fig tree, and it makes me sad because I live 3,000 miles away from the fig tree, and I love figs. I think they are like proof of a higher being. Now I resent them less because due to Fleur's amazing Hanami scent, I get to smell like the fig tree. They make stunning non-toxic perfumes and they list all of their ingredients online. You get a good scent made with clean ingredients. And the sample process is just good old fun. Here at Harry Potter and Sacred Text, we actually got to put together our own floor sample set filled with our favorite scents. So if you're not sure where to start, make sure that you check that out. And definitely try to smell like my brother and sister-in-law's fig tree with the Hanami scent. Then when I meet you, I'll love you more because you'll smell like home. Go to Fleur.com slash Harry Potter today to check out our curated sample set and get 20% off of your first custom Fleur sample set. That's P-H-L-U-R dot com slash Harry Potter to get your first three Fleur fragrance samples at 20% off. Fleur.com slash Harry Potter. Okay, here's, here's another question. This is from Allie Birkenbein on Twitter. What has been your favorite Harry Potter revelation slash discovery since doing your sacred readings? I really loved 
how Casper and Vanessa have explored Trelawney and Luna Lovegood, both as these like priest religious figures and as truth tellers. I think something that I am now constantly realizing about divination is that it's always true. In a recent episode that we recorded, Ron was like telling Harry his dreams and he said, oh, I've been dreaming about Quidditch. And we know that he's like about to try out for the Gryffindor Quidditch team and get on the Gryffindor Quidditch team. Like all of these things that they think are dumb and meaningless are actually full of meaning in the text. And I think I'm particularly fixated on Luna because when we first started this project, Casper and Vanessa always called me the Luna Lovegood of the team. And for Christmas that first year, they bought me a print of Luna that said, you're just as sane as I am, and it hung in my room. So I love the idea that we write these characters off because they're so like weird and silly, but they actually hold this great power of of seeing the truth in this world. Okay, so we had one question that was asked four times over the just like hour that you had them available to be submitted. Two people on Twitter, two people on Facebook. We had Jasmine Nyack, Jessica Leah, Blue Stock and Sarah on Twitter, and Zandy Cat on Twitter. All four of these people ask the same question. They say, what is your favorite sacred practice? Personally, I would say my favorite is sacred imagination. I think the few times that we've had like deep revelations, they've been through the practice of sacred imagination. Early on when we were talking about Hermione and the troll and Casper and Vanessa realized like kind of the deep dread and existential fear that she was feeling and that she could possibly die there um, and that they had never realized that about Hermione in that moment before and that that might have directed the rest of the way that she lived the book. And then even last week we were talking about the fight between Seamus and Harry and doing sacred imagination and I think Vanessa realized that Harry was literally taking off his clothes in that scene, which is something that we kind of just skipped right past. We didn't have to really think about, but when we put ourselves physically in the scene, we saw like how vulnerable of a thing that is to take your clothes off, to have to put on your pajamas in front of someone while you're being questioned in your integrity, while you're having a big fight with them. I think a lot of like the the kind of aha moments about characters and why they do what they do has come to us through sacred imagination. I think if I were to guess, and don't hold me to this, I think Casper's favorite is probably Lectio Divina. I don't know what Vanessa's favorite is. Recently, when we were at a live show, Casper was supposed to introduce Pardes, and instead Vanessa kind of hopped in and did it for him. So that makes me think that she likes Pardes since she was so excited to explain it to everybody. So actually related to that point, Anne Spevik from Facebook asks, are there any plans to explore more non-Western sacred reading practices? Yeah, that's a good question and one we get occasionally. And I think the answer that we've come to on reflecting on it is that we feel comfortable doing non-Western reading practices when we have a guest on the show who can teach them to us, but we don't feel comfortable doing them without guests that Vanessa feels comfortable in her Jewish tradition to do Jewish practices and to have some kind of authority on that. And Casper feels like he has some authority on Christian practices. But we we don't want to be accidentally appropriating 
different traditions that we don't have any experience or learning in. Um, so we're happy to to spend time with people who do have that experience, but we're just um, not confident enough to do things that don't come from our background in like the Judeo-Christian world. Though that doesn't mean that Judeo-Christian practices are superior and in any way. It just means that that's what we have access to. So here, here's a question from a listener named Vanessa Zoltan. <laughs> um, how cute is Vanessa's dog really? We actually got another question that was related to that from Laura Castleman on Facebook, who asked, how is Rory Hermione doing? What house would she be in? I think Rory, on the scale from one to cute, is very cute. She brings me so much joy when I am sad. She just licks my face and I instantly feel better. I think like most dogs, she's in Hufflepuff. She just loves everybody and wants to say hi to everyone and is super loyal, loyal and kind like a Hufflepuff. And she is doing great. She's living her best life, going on hikes, chasing squirrels. We sometimes wonder what she's thinking. Probably, I wish I could unscrew that peanut butter cap. So you're working on a side project. It's kind of the extension of this practice, but but instead of Harry Potter, we're looking at romance novels. It's hot and bothered, right? Well, yeah. Instead of Harry Potter, we're doing romance novels. And then instead of sacred reading, we're doing sacred writing. So it's a whole other perspective on sacred practice. Now, I've seen you huddled away lately working on a new trailer for that. And if I remember right, you're you're going to cut that into this conversation, right? Yes. The new trailer for Hot and Bothered, which Vanessa and I are working on and very excited about, will play now. Now. Now? No, now. Okay, now. I have two theories for you. The first is about the apocalypse. I don't think it will be one big event. I think that apocalypses happen all of the time. We all have them when someone dumps us or the depression fog comes rolling in. Families have them when a young parent gets cancer or loses a job. Societies have them when unjust laws are passed or when it suddenly seems as though half of a country is standing up and saying, me too. I've had a few. My dad got a brain tumor when I was eight. My grandparents lived at the Northridge Earthquake Epicenter in 1994. And a few years ago, I started living in constant contemplation of the apocalypse. The photos of Hurricane Harvey and Maria initiated my spiral. The latest climate change report that will be all but underwater in 20 years was the most recent log on that fire. Now here's my second theory. I think writing romance novels can help us get ready for these apocalypses. In the heart of my recent spiral, while hiding under my covers and trying to distract myself from thoughts about how to put my dog down when we run out of food, I started reading romance novels to calm myself down enough to fall asleep. And then I started writing one of my own. I won't tell you all of the juicy details, but let's just say I have a great imagination. It involves a Jewish girl living on Harvard Yard with a really cute dog who has to pick between two brilliant and hunky men who are both, understandably, completely in love with her. And it was so fun to write. And it was also healing. 
It was healing to stop imagining what to do when the world ends and instead to force myself to imagine a happy ending. Night after night, I would crawl into bed with my story and have to figure out how to get to a good, true, happy place through love. I had such a profoundly positive experience writing my romance novel that I asked 10 of my friends to write their own. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. (laughs) Hi, Hi, Vanessa. Let me get my big complaint about having your friends write romance novels out of the way up top. None of them wrote a sex scene. Not one. They all talked a big game, but not one followed through. Complaint over. But what my friends and I learned again and again is that writing a romance novel is a radically hopeful act. You sit down to a blank page, and then you fill it with all of your thoughts and issues about love. And you have your characters confront despair, but then you write your way toward two soulmates, riding off into the sunset on white stallions to pursue their lesbian piracy empire. Obviously. I was supposed to coach them through their writing process, and I didn't always have a gentle hand. I think that we're too too set, too boring in our understanding of what romance is. I mean, that sounds like a great book that's not a romance novel. Your two main characters have to fall in love. I sometimes made it a little bit about myself. This is the difference between you and I. I love a decision. Oh, I hate a decision. That's what's so scary about writing, is as soon as you put a word on the page, then it's there, and it's final, and everything else that you write is built around that word. And we realized on some level that it wasn't really about the romance novels. It was about us. Why did you say yes to this? You're pregnant, you teach, you have a dog, you have a life. I know you love me, but... I do love you, but I also want to prove to myself that while I am carrying the future, I still have my own voice, and I want people to still hear that. A lot of people think that romance novels are dumb. The covers are embarrassing, even for us most fervent of readers. But they are also by women, about women, and for women. And I always wonder if that's part of why they are never taken seriously by the literary elite. They are about sex and love, which is squishy and so deemed as silly. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that they deserve any literary awards. They're formulaic by design, but that is also their genius as far as readiness to be a spiritual practice. Writing a romance novel is both easy and really, really hard. It's easy because romance is such an unpretentious genre. It's a billion-dollar-a-year industry, but one that's often bartered through self-published books and sold onto e-readers in 99-cent increments. Anyone can write a romance novel. It's not just the central thesis of our show, but it bears out in the world. But it's also hard, because at the end of the day, it's you and a blank page. And that is always hard, no matter how long you've been doing it. 
In this season of Hot and Bothered, we'll follow the journey of 10 of my friends who I've manipulated and convinced to try this experiment with me. Every episode will give you an assignment so you can try your hand at it too. We'll be back in the new year, but please start now because the apocalypses are coming and only your sex scenes can save us. So Vanessa and I are super excited about Hot and Bothered. We have been doing a bunch of interviews with people who are writing. I'm writing a romance novel and we'll have an episode about that. My romance novel is about lesbian pirates in the 17th century. Super exciting. And that will be coming to you in early 2019. It's my birthday. It will also be your birthday. Yeah, we've we've coordinated the launch of Hot and Bothered with your birthday because we know how much you love romance novels. Can you make me a romance novel cake? What would that look like? It look like a book. And you want your head on Fabio's body? Other way around. Yeah, I think that's doable. We'll make you a cake like that. Okay, so let's wrap up here. Uh, just one last question from Eve Kausch on Facebook. She asks, what's your favorite blooper that's ever happened on the show? So we've done over 100 episodes, and it's really hard to remember everything we've ever put in the episodes. But the bloopers that stand out to me are both from the first season. One is about the theologian Calvin. And there's another one where the intonation of Vanessa's voice makes it sound like she's like a newscaster. And Casper and Vanessa like riff on being newscasters. And I think that's also very funny. I feel like these bloopers would land harder if you edited them in here. Okay, I'm going to play them both for you right now. Are you talking about original sin? I'm a, I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> I've just been reading about Calvin, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's got a good point. He only burnt one person in Geneva. He has oh. such a bad reputation. Only one guy. Only one burning. We're really excited to hear what Julia has to say. Julia? Nope, that was weird. <laughs> Shut up. But the beginning was great. I sounded like a newscaster at the end. <laughs> Julia. The weather... I'm going to shoot over to you for the the traffic Francine. report. <laughs> oh, Francine. I'll give it a go. <laughs> Francine just always has such great news about the traffic. She does. It's not accurate. Route but 303 it's is clear this afternoon, although we're expecting a large pileup after the... <clears throat> <laughs> I really just love those bloopers. I'm, I'm mostly laughing at you laughing at the bloopers. But speaking of bloopers, just as a little bonus for having sat through this episode with us, I've cut together a bonus blooper reel from the episodes that we've done so far for season five. So I will cut that in and then we'll be done with the show. Okay, we should probably read some credits, right? You've been listening to an unusual episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, but not on Tumblr. And we started a Patreon. Go support us there. Send us a voicemail, which I personally will listen to, at harrypottersacredtext at gmail.com. And we hope to see you at one of our live shows or our weekend extravaganza in Orlando. Next week, you will get the episode you originally promised, which is Chapter 12, Professor Umbridge, through the theme of Pride. Thank you for bearing with us this week. It was brought to you by me, Ariana Nettleman. And me, Jeff Emman. You can find his podcast, Here Be Monsters, at hbmpodcast.com. And you can find Harry Potter and the Sacred Text at harrypottersacredtext.com. Her music, as ever, is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Bull. Thanks this week. 
to everyone who sent us a question last minute on Twitter and Facebook, to roommate Jackie Scott for doing our ads with us, and to Bridget Goggin, Danny Egan, and as always, Stephanie Paulsell. All right, Jeff, we did it. We did. (laughs) Have fun editing this. Thanks. That's going to be a real nightmare. (laughs) Harry Potter in the sacred text. And just in case the sound sounds a little different today, we're in a new space in the basement of Hogwarts. Uh huh. No, that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) In Snape's dungeon. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. That is in the basement of Hogwarts. It's the same joke. Uh, Is it time for a marginalia? I'm gonna. Uh, did you know, for Marginalia, we now do it in Italian accents, <laughs> because uh, I like the Marginalia. <laughs> Your Italian accent is like half Italian, half something else. It sounds like uh, pizza pasta. Shining, shimmering, splendid. We need to watch Aladdin sometimes. Tell me, princess. Uh, where would you like to start? Now, when did you last let, let Figgy decide? Hello, friends. We have hello, friends. Wow. I don't know what happened. Became a quicker podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How do you start talking to an audience? <laughs> I don't remember. I'll go first. Okay. I'm Sirius's mom. And I'm Sirius's naughty schoolboy. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't have one? Does he? Did we just find out? <laughs> I was hoping you were a creature. Oh, but. yeah, that would have made sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And his nose looked really weird to me. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen your nose before. What is this nose? Yeah. Do I know that nose? What is this nose? Da 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 who is this man? What kind of devil is he? da 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 um, what is this feeling so sudden and new? Felt the moment. I laid eyes on you. And your nose. One thing that I've realized is I really love how unfunny Ariana thinks you are. It's <laughs> like you guys painful. think you're so funny and she's, she's like, like mm. no. We will we will see her and just better go like banter. she'll be like better banter. We sometimes make jokes and in the middle of them we go, We should stop making this joke, it's gonna get she's cut gonna anyway. Get cut anyway. <laughs> Can we do a what's a good law and order or like a legal pun with magic? <laughs> That's not how my brain works. No, like, what's a good, what's a good, like, uh, like courtroom show? Like, he's on Judge Fudge or something. Did you just compare the, our listeners to the people at Dunkirk? It it didn't start like that, uh-huh. but as soon as I had the image, all I saw was people singing Jerusalem and like eating, you know, kidney pie, steak and kidney pie. By which I mean brave English people sailing into the sea to save the Little Harry Potter Sacred Text podcast. <laughs> I'm Joseph Fink, and I'd like to introduce you to I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats, a podcast about the shifting line between artist and fan. When I was a child, reading the authors that I loved and listening to the music that I loved, the thing I got from that is that feeling of, of being understood somehow, and that weird connection, where it's not the person, it's not the stranger, it's the thing they've made that opens this space for self-reflection. I only listen to The Mountain Goats. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.